Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. This show will begin shortly after these messages from our advertisers. Advertising is what keeps the show alive. Your support means they'll continue to advertise and the podcast will continue to be free. This statement has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you in bad pain? You know what I mean. Your knees hurt, your shoulder hurts, and your back. Oh my God, your back. They're constantly killing you. And I'm sure you've tried every pain pill or cream available at the drugstore. Am I right? Well, here is something you haven't tried. Pain Absolve. Pain Absolve is not available in any drugstore. The only way to get it is by calling today. We're so confident that it will work for you that we offer a free bottle with your purchase. No prescription needed. And best of all, each purchase comes with a money-back guarantee. Call now to find out how you can get Pain Absolve and get rid of your pain. Call 800-261-0783. That's 800-261-0783. 800-261-0783. Call today. 800-261-0783. Are you lacking a little something between paranormal and abnormal? You need the Into the Parabnormal store. Now open at parabnormalradio.com. From hoodies to shirts, accessories, and our digital music library, it's all available in the Into the Parabnormal store. Your purchase directly helps support the show. Thanks for buying from the Into the Parabnormal store at parabnormalradio.com. From ASE-certified expert technicians to new smart services that keep you connected, Pep Boys Auto Service and Tire Centers keep your ride humming. Open seven days a week. Pep Boys, we go further to help you go farther. Five, four, three, two, one. When the lights go down, the pair of normal comes alive. We go deep into topics the lamestream media won't dare touch. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon, deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, you're traveling somewhere between abnormal and paranormal, into the paranormal. Tonight... It is a mind-expanding exploration of sleep disorders, unusual dream states, the scientific explanations, and the paranormal possibilities. Hello, I'm Jeremy Scott, and it's good to be sitting in with you once again. 
programming note, we will have our Halloween shows next weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Six Pacific for the Saturday show, eight Eastern or nine Eastern, and then on the Sunday show, we'll be on at five Pacific, eight Eastern, and we're going to have a lot of fun next week on the program. Uh, you can go to parabnormalradio.com and uh, and get all the information on the shows next week. So we are going to have Halloween shows for you tonight, though, as mentioned, a program called Nightmare Land. The Sleeping Mind is a mysterious backdrop that science is just beginning to shed light on. It was only some 60 years ago that researchers discovered what's known as REM, the rapid eye movement cycle that's associated with dreams. In his new book, which is entitled Nightmare Land, Lex Lonehood Nover travels into the eerie borderlands where the unconscious, dreams, and strange entities intermingle under the cover of night revealing wider and hidden aspects of ourselves from the savage and frightening to the astounding and sublime. Lex has been the web producer for the popular radio night show Coast to Coast AM since 2002. His work is considered a valuable research for anyone studying the paranormal, fringe science, and alternative theories. It's a uh, pleasure to have you here, Lex. Welcome into the Parabnormal. Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate being invited to be on the show. It's my pleasure having you, and pardon me if we don't start here, because you had to have worked with the great Art Bell, is that correct? I did, yeah. I even had a few interactions with him going back into the 90s, but when I was hired to take over the website was essentially when Art was retiring at the end of 2002, so it was um, working with George Norrie when he took over the show and uh, the other various staff people. And then after a year or so, Art decided to come back and host some occasional shows. And then around, I think, 2005, 2006, he came back and did weekends for a while. So I had numerous interactions with him over the, over the years. And so uh, here we are to talk about uh, something tonight that I think that you have, is it safe to say you've experienced yourself uh, moments of uh, sleep paralysis or uh, is dream state? Yes, I've had some of the experiences that I write about in the book, sleep paralysis. I've had some, I guess you could call it uh, psychic episodes that, as I learned through my research, are actually associated with what's called hypnagogia. I have a chapter on that, and that essentially refers to the state just before you fall asleep and the state just after you wake up from sleep. And there's a lot of interesting things that happen during that period. A lot of actual psychic reports and ghost sightings seem to be tied in with that special period. Is it something that um, may take some people longer to come in and out of, you know, say people that, you know, seem to take longer to uh, wake up uh, or go to sleep than their counterparts? It could be. I think it, it certainly varies from person to person. It's a very subtle state, really, that I think a lot of people overlook or are unfamiliar with it. But when you stop to talk to them about it, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Like when you first close your eyes and you you might see these phosphines and different sort of lights and kind of flickering blips and things of that nature. And you can actually sort of court this state and try to stay in it longer. And that's where a lot of interesting things will happen. One of the trademark things of hypnagogia is actually seeing faces 
quite clearly and close up. And the odd thing about these faces is that they're always of strangers. So it's, it's, it's um, kind of um, head-scratching as to why these faces would pop up in that state or why you wouldn't see faces of people that you know. Well, it may be more frightening to see someone that you know. <laughs> what are they doing here? Yes, exactly, especially if it was a traumatic uh, death uh, or traumatic passing. Uh, or somebody you really you really deeply care for, or somebody that you didn't want to see, uh, you might have a, a different reaction than to a complete stranger. And it's also been a state that artists and scientists have used to access inspiration and creativity. Salvador Dali, the surrealist painter, uh, actually developed a technique for trying to briefly tap into that state, and I think that's where he got the ideas for some of his completely out-of-this-world paintings. Thomas Edison uh, used the technique as well. What would what what you say would be the strangest thing that has ever happened to you when you're basically paralyzed there asleep but semi-conscious? I've had two episodes of it. One of them did involve seeing an actual entity. And what's so freaky about it is that your, your eyes are open you're seeing into your actual bedroom. So it really is, for all practical purposes, like being awake. And yet your body is frozen. And the neurological explanation is that this is kind of a bleed through or superimposition of the REM dream state in which a person is, is naturally paralyzed, presumably so they don't get up and start acting out their dreams So it's almost like this kind of hybrid state where you have the paralysis of REM, but your body is actually awake, but you can only move your your eyes. And as to what causes people to see these malevolent or even demonic entities, it's somewhat of an open question. I've I've explored some different um, neurological explanations as well as the more paranormal ones in the book certainly the state has been known since antiquity and i think it's really fueled a lot of supernatural lore over the years Uh, each country really has their own mythos around sleep paralysis and it's fascinating to consider both both explanations at, at the same time without ruling one out completely over the other have, have Jeremy, have you uh, had episodes of sleep paralysis? I guess it's possible, but none that I uh, consciously remember. Um, as far as this REM state, though, I've heard that this is actually healthy for the immune system. So even though you're in basically being paralyzed, uh, you know, it's actually not a bad thing, apparently, from what I've read. Would you agree? I think that it's a question as to what the purpose of dreams are there's a number of different theories the whole freudian explanation is a little bit um out of the the sway at the moment but uh there's an idea that dreams have to do with a kind of emotional processing that we're working on dealing with memories and experiences from that the current day or recent times and they they get kind of played out or reconfigured in dreams and this helps us in in certain ways psychologically. I'm not sure that really uh, encompasses a full explanation because I have plenty of dreams where it seems like the dream itself is creating some kind of 
argumentative or um, angry experience that I, I don't particularly <laughs> relate to or even want to experience. It's it said that the one of the parts of the brain that's activated during the dream state is is the area known for emotions. So it may be that's why these different emotions get get more play in the dream state. But I don't know that why that would necessarily be healthy for a person. Maybe it does stimulate different endocrine responses. And certainly I think they figured out that sleep itself and not non-REM sleep, the slow wave or deep sleep as it's called, that does seem to have restorative processes and, and things that help the body uh, get rid of toxins and a whole host of things really. But dreams, I think they're still haven't really exactly pinned down. I mean, it also could be nightmares and things of that nature are ways for people to practice up should they encounter some sort of danger in real life. Since you've experienced both, uh, is it easy to differentiate between the two? Yes, definitely. Sleep paralysis is occurring while you're awake, pretty much, whereas lucid dreaming, you're still in your REM dream, but you're you're waking up as it were, to the idea that you are in a dream and you recognize that, whereas your body is still sound asleep in bed, your eyes are closed, in sleep paralysis, you're, you're actually awake and your eyes are open. But there is kind of an interesting relationship between the two that someone who is having an episode of sleep paralysis, instead of having it be this fearful frightening thing with a malevolent entity, they could actually turn it into a lucid dream or even an out-of-body experience by kind of manipulating the state in a certain way. Yeah, so, and that's fascinating to me as well. So what about, can you tell us maybe about some of your bouts, uh, you know, with with paralysis? Like, when did it first happen? Um, How often does it happen? Um, You know, things like that. I've only had two episodes of it. One was in college, and it was more amorphous, really. It was just a sense of a sense of a presence without actually seeing anything. And then one was about 20 years ago. I write about it in the book where, funnily enough, I was listening to Art Bell and had, had fallen into this, this paralysis state and actually saw this um, figure, a male figure on the kind of in the corner ceiling, almost like a spider's web kind of thing that uh, had just this very like murderous stare in his face, just (laughs) did not mean me well at all. And what was kind of funny about the whole thing was that Art was doing a commercial for shortwave radios for C. Crane. And so I was hearing that. And so it was such a kind of innocuous backdrop that that uh to be paired with this this demonic figure and at that point i knew what sleep paralysis was so i was able to recognize it as such because i think people that don't know that there is a potential medical or neurological explanation for it you could just totally freak out and think that you're going insane uh so i think that is a theme that runs through a lot of the sleep disorders and aberrations that I write about in the book, that people tend to be 
embarrassed. And, and before the internet, really, I think there was a culture of secrecy around a lot of these conditions. And then as the internet exploded, people were able to sort of look things up online and realize, oh, I'm not the only one that <laughs> that has this thing. And parallel to that, there's been a huge growth of sleep clinics all over North America. I think there's like 2,500 of them now. So people are, are reaching out and getting help for different things. And in the past, they would just keep to themselves. A lot of the diagnoses for different things like sexsomnia, for instance, is where people have sex while they're sleeping. That wasn't even recognized as a sleep disorder until 2014, but it's something that's been around for <laughs> eons, I'm Well, sure. I guess you got to hide the robots then um, <laughs> because there's no no telling. But no, that's a real thing, Lex, right? Sexsomnia, where people, what, wake up in the middle of the night and have sex with the person next to them or they try to or, or something like that? Essentially, yeah, it's 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 really I guess you could say it's kind of like a subset of sleepwalking where instead of walking around, they're feeling randy. And if they're sleeping next to someone, they'll uh, generally try to to start something. There was one case that was was kind of amusing that uh, I cover in the book about a woman who was she suspected her partner wasn't completely completely cognizant but she was sort of enjoying these these midnight <laughs> escapades and and then at one point while they were in the midst of it all of a sudden she heard him snoring and she was like oh my god he really is asleep <laughs> that's where i guess they get the phrase snorgasm <laughs> My my wife will appreciate that um, because I'm a major snore, and so I mean, here's the honest truth: I got to do something about it. So either I got to I got to get a CPAP machine, or I got to get one of those mouth guards, or I got to do something because uh, it has reached that point. Lax, ever had that problem? I have have not, but uh, sleep apnea is I think pretty widespread, and that I think is one of the big things that a lot of these sleep clinics help people with. I, I have heard that those CPAP machines are, are kind of hard to get used to, though. Yeah, so have I. Um, okay, you mentioned, uh, well, you, you said sexsomnia, so that leads me to, uh, you know, think about maybe some of the other strange phenomena um, in states of sleep. We know about sleepwalking, uh, people who get up and, you know, walk uh, from here to there, sometimes, what, fix themselves a meal, have a smoke. Uh, hopefully they don't dive into the pool uh, in that state, but they do all sorts of things in states of sleepwalking. They do. Yeah, it's, it's astounding, really. It's even things like driving a car, uh, f- flying a helicopter, even. Uh, one of the things I address in my book is this idea of mixed brain states, almost like these cocktails of consciousness where you take elements of being asleep, awake and dreaming and mix them up into different combinations. Sleepwalking is a definite example of, of that because you've got motor activity is relatively equivalent to when someone's awake and the person's able to see with their eyes, and yet major parts of the neocortex are asleep, and that's the kind of area that governs rational thinking and memory. So you've got these people sort of moving around and doing things, and yet they are not the person that they are when they're awake. There was uh, one case speaking of people that that do kind of crazy things while sleepwalking, 
of a teenage girl. This was in London in 2005, and she was spotted on top of a 130-foot crane. So at first they thought, oh, no, she's, she's, she's considering suicide and is going to jump. But when they looked closer, they saw that she was curled up sound asleep. Oh, my so gosh. What they did was they were, a- they were able to find some family members and they tried ringing her mobile phone and, and that gently woke her up because they didn't want the fire person had, had gotten up there but didn't want to startle her in, in the event that she would fall off. And so it turned out she, she was a known sleepwalker, but clearly climbing onto a 130-foot crane is not, <laughs> not anything someone would put, do while they were awake, and yet it's so bizarre that someone would do that in, the, in a sleepwalking episode. Well, and so you wonder what might have happened in in that case, uh, you know, and maybe whether some medications may, may have been involved. Well, there's definitely a connection between drugs like Ambien and sleepwalking. I write about a number of those in the book. They call them Ambien zombies in, in certain instances where people take drop an Ambien, say if they're on a long flight, and down it with a cocktail, which you're, you're not supposed to mix alcohol with this medication. And then uh, in, in one instance, this guy just stripped off all his clothes and was <laughs> walking up and down the aisle stark naked. And um, the uh, airline stewardess would kind of figure out what was going on because it's they've seen these so-called ambient zombies before, and she was just very like stern with him and guided him back to his seat and said, put your pants on. <laughs> and then when the guy finally woke up as the plane was approaching uh, its destination in the morning, he knew something was was really off because he was sitting there holding his underwear in his hand. So, yeah, people can can do odd things. I, I was visiting a friend once and he had gone to bed earlier, taken an Ambien, and I was sitting up chatting with his niece. All of a sudden we see him come to the kitchen and he opens up a bag of chips and pours them all into the sink and starts eating them out of the sink. And that was would be a completely out of character for this person. So we approached him, and he was talking in this kind of monosyllabic grunt. It was almost like he was some kind of um, devolved person that just had very little consciousness other than he wanted to eat these chips. <laughs> and then we realized, oh, he took the ambient, so that probably is what kind of jiggered this this sleep eating episode and then he later told us that he had noticed that he occasionally was sleep eating he'd wake up the next day and find empty cartons of ice cream and one time there were even um partially eaten cans of sardines that he left as bookmarks in these expensive art books So, yeah, people do all sorts of strange, strange things. Sleep eating is 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 its own separate category, really, even though it's, you could consider it to be a subset of sleepwalking. But that's a big problem for people in terms of weight gain. And, and another one of the ones that I was mentioning where people feel shameful about it because they're doing this thing that they're not conscious of. And it feels like it's out of out of their control. I've actually witnessed a sleep eating myself. It's like something goes on in the brain where it's like ping 3.30 in the morning and, um, you know, 
like this gentleman did, except he threw the potato chips in the sink. You know, some folks might go to the kitchen and uh, take a handful of chips uh, or a, a drink of something, uh, you know, because they get that sudden desire uh, in the middle of sleep. Yeah, it's, it's really like a compulsion. And what's interesting is this sleepwalking behaviors occur in the non-REM cycle of sleep, which when I started the book, I assumed that there was not, that was completely different than REM in terms of dreams, that there's no real content. But what I found was there's always content going on in the brain. So there's there are dreams in the non-REM state. They're, they may be more subtle or less narrative, but they, I think there's some kind of storyline going on when these people are sleepwalking. They may be interacting with characters in their head, but there is there is this other content, which is kind of uh, something to, to, to stop you in your tracks. I think that we're having all these experiences in that state, in those stages of sleep. And yet we have almost no memory of any of that. Nightmare Land, the name of the book from Lex Lonehead Nover, travels at the borders of sleep dreams and wakefulness we'll continue with him after this i'm jeremy scott traveling with you somewhere between abnormal and paranormal make sure to subscribe to into the parabnormals free youtube channel for shows news and exclusive reports Times are changing. The circus of politics, healthcare's low standards and high prices, and let's not forget food quality. What to do? Arm yourself with Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. In a world of chemical imbalance and poor air and water quality, it's time you make a move. Log on to GetTheTea.com and stock up on organic non-GMO supplements. Don't forget the tea. Cleansing your body never felt so good. And we have a brand new tea called Takedown Tea, which helps support healthy glucose. All natural body support so you can be at your best naturally. All you have to do is log on to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. We're not a fad that comes and goes. We are the real deal. Join us and armor up. GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. Changing America's health one tea bag at a time. Select Into the Paranormal at checkout. Tired of overpaying for the little blue pill? What if you could get the exact same results for just a fraction of the price? Guaranteed. Well, now you can with Sildenafil, the active ingredient in the blue pill. With 20 milligram generic sildenafil tablets, you get the exact same results for less than $2 per pill. And again, the results are guaranteed. That's right. Absolutely guaranteed results for a fraction of the cost of the little blue pill. So give your wallet a break and call us toll free at 800-367-9583 to get your generic sildenafil delivered discreetly to your door. And of course, while saving hundreds of dollars, you'll also be saving time by saying goodbye to those long, embarrassing pharmacy lines once and for all. Again, just call 800-367-9583 to get your generic sildenafil with a 100% money-back guarantee. Getting your pills doesn't get any easier or cheaper than this, so call 800-367-9583 now. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Audible, with over 180,000 titles to choose from in every genre. 
Play them on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, and on more than 500 devices. Audible is offering you the opportunity to check out their service for free. When you go to audibletrial.com slash parabnormal, you'll get a free audiobook to download and a 30-day free trial. A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash parabnormal. There's so much news between abnormal and paranormal, and there's only one place you can find it. Parabnormal News. It's not mainstream, not middle of the road, and definitely not for the faint of heart. From the paranormal to conspiracies, the unexplained and downright strange. Don't miss Parabnormal News with me, Brad Bernard. Parabnormal News is heard exclusively on Into the Parabnormal. It was late at night, and I was listening to Art Bell on the radio, who at the time was the maestro of the strange and paranormal. But then, as it sometimes happens when listening to the radio in bed in the wee hours, I fell asleep. Only, I didn't fall asleep in the way I usually do. I had entered a quasi-dream state in which I was conscious of my physical surroundings and the live radio show. And yet... A menacing being was materializing in full view. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon, somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, you're traveling into the paranormal with Jeremy Scott. It's nightmare land tonight. The author is Lex Lonehood Nover. Nightmare land travels at the borders of sleep, dreams, and wakefulness. Uh, Lex, tell us what your website is and uh, where we can pick up the book, please. Sure. Uh, the website's nightmare.land. It's kind of exploring a new domain name there since they had one that was part of the book title. thought that would be uh, kind of a shortened way to get the URL out there. So it's nightmare.land. No, no .com needed. And the book's available on Amazon and all sorts of um, online retailers, even some uh, bricks-and-mortar stores. I saw it at uh, Borders, uh, nestled in between two witchcraft books. <laughs> and there's also an audiobook that I'm pretty excited about, uh, narrated by Neil Helligers, who did a really terrific job. I noticed you used it in that clip. Uh, yeah, I, I really let's, give him, let's give him some credit. <laughs> Yeah, and it was really cool how you mixed the music in there. But, uh, yeah, he creates a real spellbinding quality in the audiobook. And I, I was thrilled that the publishers wanted to do an audiobook because it seems like that has become such a viable way for people to enjoy books nowadays. Yeah, I want to talk about the science and why it seems that, you know, they're still trying to catch up with this. So when it comes to the sleep paralysis and the dream state and all this stuff that happens while we're conscious or semi-conscious or in states of REM. Uh, but you also talk about some, you know, folkloric fixtures such as the incubus and old hag and even vampiric demons. Um, what do those figures tell us about sleep science today? Well, I think it, it, it shows that, they're, that the whole idea of sleep paralysis is not anything new, that it's been built up over time across all different cultures. In terms of the science behind that, I think it's probably a little bit more the ballywick of sociology. In fact, uh, a sociologist named David Hufford 
was one of the people that helped kind of put sleep paralysis on the map, as it were, with his book called The Terror That Comes in the Night. And he did field work in Newfoundland and looked at the lore of the old hag, which I think a lot of people know about in North America, the idea that this kind of witch-like or hag-like figure is sitting on a person's chest. And that is, is fairly common in this area that he did research in. Even the word um, haggard, is, is he was pointing out, was possibly from that idea of being visited by, by the hag or hagrid, and that over time these meanings kind of get washed away and we don't even realize what, what the word was originally referring to. Similarly with the word nightmare, which is a surprise to me, but up until about midway through the uh, 19th century, when you said nightmare, you're actually talking about sleep paralysis not the nightmares that we think of today, which is an anxiety-ridden or scary dream that wakes you up out of REM state. Yeah, and so, I mean, these are obviously figures that go back quite uh, a long time, and yet here we are, and yet in 2019, um, science still doesn't have much to say about all this. Yeah, well, there there's one theory that, that uh, actually I just found out about uh, a few weeks ago. We had a, a sleep doctor that just came out with uh, a book. Um, uh, the guest was on Coast to Coast, uh, Guy Lesner, and he talked about uh, this research done by a neuroscientist named V.S. Ramachandran that really fascinated me. And the idea is that there's a part of the brain that has its perception of itself and that that part becomes distorted during sleep paralysis because the limbs can't move. So it's not getting any feedback and that could be what causes the brain to project this body image or humanoid shape outside of itself through what's called the mirror neuron system. It's almost like thinking of it, um, like a phantom limb kind of thing. So that, that really intrigued me, the idea of that could be why we see this figure materializing. One other explanation that fascinated me was this um, idea proposed by Lucy Gillis, who's a blogger, writer about lucid dreaming, and she was suggesting that we might be on out-of-body travels during sleep and that during a sleep paralysis episode, it could be a form of bilocation so that the part of ourselves that's traveling outside of our body is actually trying to get back into the body. And then in this sort of dual state, the person wakes up and recognizes some other figure or entity, and, and maybe they're kind of trying to crawl back in the body, and that's the sensation of this figure on their chest. So it's, it's kind of a mind-boggling idea to consider. Again, understand aliens come into this uh, dream world at some point as well, Lex? Yeah, I, I, I wanted to explore that whole thing because um, I guess it's been about 15 or 20 years, but there was um, a couple of uh, psychologists that um, came out with books saying that the whole alien abduction thing, particularly the bedroom abductions, was was really just misunderstood cases of sleep paralysis. 
And so I wanted to explore that and, and look into whether there was something to that or not. I personally, from my research, it didn't quite fit. I think some cases could certainly be that, but it, but the kind of thing that alien abductees describe is, is very repetitive in terms of being on a spaceship, having these medical examinations, maybe seeing hybrid babies, but it's, it's the same story that's essentially told over and over again with, with some variation. But it, from what I've looked at with sleep paralysis, it seems to be far more idiosyncratic. People are not seeing the same beings over and over again. It's like for each person, it could be some completely different thing. So it made me wonder if there was some other process that was going on during these bedroom abductions because it seemed unlikely to me that there's a UFO hovering in someone's backyard and then they're coming through the walls to get them from a nearby location. So I wondered if there is, if there is a similar pathway in terms of the brains, this mixed brain state that somehow makes people accessible to paraphysical identities such as aliens or these malevolent beings now when you were sitting there you know listening to Coe's kind of drifting away and you were in this state of paralysis can you describe what uh what entered the room yeah it was actually uh, a, a male figure that was human it was so it wasn't like any kind of um strange creature per se but what was so menacing about it was the look in his eye of just this kind of absolute, just violent, uh, it's hard to put into words, but just this really creepy intent of just, um, and then the fact that he was just at this really weird angle, like a, like in a spider's web kind of thing. So, um, it, it really is shocking and it makes you wonder if is it something other than just this REM related hallucination? Are we somehow opening this gateway where in a certain kind of brain state, other entities ask, you know, astral wildlife, if you will, have have this window to kind of interact with us? How long um, did this state last before you came to? Not long. The thing, the thing about these types of experiences, I think, is similar to, to a number of people that have it, is it will seem like it's lasting forever, but it really can just be 30 seconds or less. So in, in physical time, it, it can be quite short, but because it's so bizarre and unlike anything you've experienced, it can, can seem much longer. Kind of like in an earthquake, it seems like it's rumbling for minutes, but in reality, it's just seconds. Exactly, yeah. I've had that experience, yeah. Did you find that you had any control over what was happening? Like anything you could do to enhance it or to, you know, make it end sooner or anything like that? I I didn't, you know, I think I just was sort of shocked. But I, I get into that in, in my book, offering some different techniques. One thing I, I thought was, was amazing was that there's a, uh, an online group of people that are actually trying to court the 
sleep paralysis experience. I profile uh, one guy that I ran across on Reddit who talks about this kind of daredevil subculture that he's part of. And he had enlisted to uh, serve in the army, but he was like, I'm just a kid from the suburbs. I've never really faced any danger. So he thought that by trying to bring on this encounter with a demonic being in, in sleep paralysis, it would prep him for dealing with insurgents and, and scary things on the battlefront. Have you ever uh, encountered somebody who, uh, you know, is in this state that, you know, maybe is kind of stuck sitting straight up or anything like that? Like they meant to go to sleep, but they didn't get that far. Well, one of the things that's notable about sleep paralysis is that it almost always happens when someone is sleeping on their back. So one technique I ran across, if you if you do have frequent bouts of sleep paralysis and want to stop it, is to create this little do-it-yourself thing where you can kind of sew a tennis ball into the back of a T-shirt or pajama top. And that way, if you find yourself rolling onto your back at some point, that'll prevent you from sleeping in that position. What about the cases in which sleepwalking takes a very drastic turn? I think you know what uh, we're talking about. You know, we mentioned during the sleepwalking earlier that people can do all sorts of things, including driving cars and helicopters. And uh, maybe it doesn't have any limits as far as what can be done during that state. Yeah, well, I think you're alluding to uh, this uh, sleepwalk murders. Uh, delve into that in, in the book, yeah. kind of a little true crime section, as it were. And those cases are pretty controversial. Uh, a number of them have gone to trial over the years. And in more recent cases, it's become kind of a battle of the sleep experts. The defense and prosecution each produce their own expert witnesses that are really battling over sleep uh, science right right there in the courts. The cases where people have been found not guilty, usually they've been able to show a long history of sleepwalking episodes that not only they have, but family members have, because this thing tends to, tends to run in families. Um, it, it's an interesting thing to debate in terms of the whole... Um, criminal code as well, which hasn't been updated since the 1950s when Freudian theories were, were still more popular. So it's, it's just the idea of is it voluntary or involuntary? It's, it's very black and white, but when you get something like someone committing a murder while sleepwalking, it, it becomes more of a murky territory, really. Like, to what extent do we hold them responsible if they actually killed someone? Well, and if you live alone, you may not know that you are sleepwalking, and so how would they ever be able to prove it uh, unless there were those around you to verify that it's something that you did um, often? Right. I mean, and they people that have been um, have used that as their defense are able to take them in for lab testing, uh, like at those sleep clinics I was mentioning. They have a machine called a polysomnogram that measures uh, things like the EEG and different different readings, and they can determine if there are different abnormal occurrences while, while someone's sleeping and sort of show the scientific side of, of what they're claiming. But um, it's really tragic in some of these cases. Uh, I looked at one that was pretty well known that happened in Phoenix in the late 90s, a fellow named Scott Filater, 
killed his wife. And he they had a very loving marriage. And to all reports, there was no motive whatsoever. So and he, he was saying in an interview that it just the idea that that he killed his wife is just so incomprehensible to him and so sad that that was like the last image that she was seeing of him because he had no memory of it whatsoever. Uh, yeah, I imagine not because when you wake up, it's as exit, you know, unless you don't wake up in your bed, you're probably just thinking that's where you were the whole night. Right. But that was a, a strange case with a lot of details on, on both sides of the story. A neighbor actually awakened when they, they heard sounds coming from by the um, swimming pool next door and he peered over and saw some things. So his testimony uh, became part of the, the court case. So did somebody actually successfully, uh, a lawyer successfully defended somebody in, in one of these cases where they said that they were sleepwalking when they committed this crime and they were not found guilty? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I write about a case that goes back to 1845. Um, a man named Albert Tyrell was accused of murdering his mistress and then setting her bed on fire to kind of cover, cover his tracks. And he was the son of a wealthy family, and they hired uh, this attorney named Rufus Kohate, who was kind of a, a well-known uh, former senator, sort of just like getting some super high-end uh, lawyer like O.J. did uh, nowadays. And they created a whole defense around this idea of sleepwalking, brought in all these witnesses that said that he had 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 this issue throughout his life. They even had a, a Harvard professor that uh, exclaimed that, yes, someone could commit these things while in their sleep. And he was found not guilty. Uh, later on, though, um, someone that worked in a law clerk office told um, a, a reporter that they had seen the lawyer, Rufus Coate, go into an office a couple weeks before he decided to take on this client, and he happened to see a book called Sylvester Sound, The Somnambulist, which was a sort of a popular novel of the day, and was fascinated by it and sat in the office reading it for like a half hour. And the book contained, not only was it a novel, but it also had a preface that had these cases of people that had sleepwalked over the centuries. So it left left some researchers wondering later, okay, did he just concoct this whole thing after after reading this novel and coming up with it as, as this new type of defense? What other crimes have people been accused of while sleepwalking, Lex? Well, there's some tragic instances around Ambien. Uh, I write about some of those cases where people get in their car and um, run people over, and, and when they wake up, they're they're in jail and have no idea how they got there. And the makers of the pharmaceutical drug had to do some backtracking in some of these earlier cases and, and, and be more clear about putting out the list of possible side effects and, and, and trying to warn people, particularly around drinking and, and taking the, the medication. But it's, it's really just, um, so sad for everyone involved in these kind of cases because the people that were driving or sleep driving had had no idea. I think with the Ambien cases, you can see more clearly that this this was something that they were not conscious of doing. Whereas some of these 
murder cases that didn't involve uh, s- sleep medications, you're left to wonder more, okay, is this something that they're just manufacturing as part of their defense? I want to go back to something that you alluded on earlier. Uh, how common is it that uh, there's a family history of sleepwalking? A lot of the sleep disorders, the family history is, is a connection, some sort of uh, genetic tie-in. A friend of mine uh, grew up in New Jersey in a split-level house, and uh, his parents were going through a divorce, I guess, back in the 70s, and so his mom would let him stay up and watch TV with her. And one night they were they were watching Johnny Carson, and all of a sudden his two twins, identical twin sisters appeared at the top of the stairs, and they're just like looking up at them. And they come down the stairs, arm in arm, they're both sleepwalking, and they've got these kind of glassy, zombie-eyed stairs. And he was saying it was just like <laughs> those twins from The Shining. So that's an example of, of the genetic tie-in. And, and also, sleepwalking is, is much more common in children. They suspect that it might have something to do with their developing brain or central nervous system that makes them more likely to have sleepwalking episodes, which often arise as um, what they call the uh, low arousal threshold. So, for instance, if a plane is flying by or some, something kind of nudges them, that could cause this partial awakening where someone that has a more normal arousal threshold won't, that won't awaken them. So this partial awakening is the thing that's triggering them to get up and, and start sleepwalking. Lex, really appreciate you coming on the program tonight. Best of luck with the new book. It looks awesome. I can't wait to uh, to get my hands on it. Well, thank you, Jeremy. I really appreciate your spending the time with me. It, it's my pleasure. I hope you sleep well tonight, Lex. <laughs> Likewise. All Sweet right. nightmares. Yeah. Don't let, this, uh, don't let this show keep you up, friends. If you have a, a, a tough time sleeping, uh, don't pop any Ambien. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that. Um, but if you do have a Halloween story, because we're getting ready for our Halloween shows, meaning two next week, Saturday and Sunday, again, 6 p.m. Pacific, normal uh, showtime for the Saturday show, and then we'll do on Sunday at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. So if you have a story, maybe it's a haunted story, you lived in a haunted house, you've got a ghost story, you have an EVP to share, maybe you uh, had a a case of sleep paralysis or you saw the old hag um you've encountered bigfoot uh, you've been abducted by extraterrestrials and um uh, piloted out of here on a spaceship or something weird out extraordinary outrageous uh parabnormal for god's sake uh you can go to the website at parabnormalradio.com and click the contact page and you can get in contact with me there i would love if you would come on the program and uh, share your story with us. Uh, if you would just like to send in a message uh, through the Facebook page, or you can email it through that contact page. Um, with your permission, we would air that on the program next week. Uh, so on that note, I hope everybody sleeps well. And from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon, somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, I'm Jeremy Scott. Night, night, friends.
Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Thank you for supporting our advertisers. It keeps the show free for everyone. This statement has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror? How do you like to learn the secret to losing three to five pounds a week without joining the gym or going through any crazy diets? It's called Body Sculpt RX. For the last two decades, we've helped countless people lose thousands of pounds. And now... It's your turn. Learn how to lose weight with one simple phone call and no prescription needed. You'll see an amazing difference in a matter of days. Don't believe us? We'll offer you a risk-free money-back guarantee. So if you're ready to start losing weight, call right now and get a free month supply with your first order of Body Sculpt RX. Call now. You have nothing to lose but the pounds. 800-395-4207. 800-395-4207. 800 395 4207. That's 800 395 4207. You've heard me talking about My Patriot Supply for a while, and things aren't getting any easier. From global conflicts and unstable supply chains, when shelves run on empty, you don't have to panic. Choose peace of mind with their three month emergency food supply to keep your shelves and your stomach full. In an emergency, you won't have the time, resources, and ingredients to prepare your meals in the way you're used to. But you can get a leg up with My Patriot Supply. It's a three-month emergency food supply. You don't have to skimp. It's ready when you are. It's disaster-proof. And no food boredom here. 20-plus flavorful food and drink varieties. My Patriot Supply is offering a special deal for Into the Parabnormal listeners when you go to parabnormalradio.com slash food. Get your My Patriot Supply today from parabnormalradio.com slash food. That's parabnormalradio.com slash food. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.